0: Thank you for joining us for a life-changing message from Norm Oberlin, pastor of Mount Hope Church in beautiful Gaylord, Michigan. Our prayer is that this message will help strengthen and encourage your walk with Christ. Please enjoy. And now, here is Pastor Norm. So this week, we're talking about the subject of having a tenacious faith, as you can see behind me. And we're directly in a Eventually, we're going to be getting to the widow that actually wanted justice. But before I get there, I wanted to share from Hebrews chapter 11, beginning with verse 1, faith is the confidence that we hope for and will actually happen. It gives us assurance about things that we cannot see. Faith is the confidence that we hope for and that it will actually happen. Do you have that kind of faith? Have you been praying for something and it just seems like, oh man, it's not happening like I think it should. How many go through struggles like that? And yet you almost give up. Some of you are going, I do give up. I mean, be honest, sometimes we do, don't we? We're taking a big thing to the Lord and we're believing for a big thing and it just doesn't happen like we think it should. And, and what's our inclination but to give up? Well, today, hopefully, by the end of this message, you are going to be a little more inclined to remain tenacious in your faith. And I, I wanted to say as I started this that I had a whole nother message for today. And God shook me up again. And it was weird. He gave me the one word He wants us to be a tenacious people. He wants you to be tenacious in your faith with him. The world is going to try to get you to turn from God. You need to stay attached to him. You know, I was watching, uh, uh, what we watched last night, the incredible me three, and they had these suits that they could tell what to do, Despicable Me, yeah, thank you. Despicable Me 3. Whoever said that. Blessings. Wouldn't want to get that wrong. But the suits that they were wearing, though, they, they could program it. And one of the, the things that they could program in was sticky. And they could go up walls. And I was thinking, you know, that's us. That's how we should be. When, when we are trying to grab hold of God, we should have, have our suits on sticky. So we stick to them and we can't. Be shaken off. Not that He would shake us off. We can't let go because He's hanging on to us so tightly. Today, I want to share that message with you. Tenacious. What does it mean? It means to hold on firmly, never to let go. How many of you have been in the faith over 20 years? 30? More than that? (laughs) You old dogs, you. I mean, saints. That's awesome. That's awesome. we got a howler over here. Let me guess who it was. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) We are called to have a tenacious faith. To not let go of our belief in God. In what He said He would do for you. How do we find out about the things that He will do for us? We, We become students of the Word, right? The Bible. He loves us and He wants His best for us. So we need to hang on with all we've got. No matter what obstacles, no matter what circumstances are presented to us or placed in front of us, they should never cause us to lose our faith. Again, as I was studying out this idea of having a tenacious faith, I ran across what I thought was an amazing devotion. And it's from Hannah Goodman, who is a senior producer at CBN, Christian Broadcasting Network. And I thought it was so good that I wanted to share uh, the outline, if you will, of what she had shared in this devotion. Let the Holy Spirit speak to you this morning as we go through this. Would you stand with me one more time? I'm a firm believer in prayer. Nothing happens without prayer. Every ministry in this church should be, begin in prayer. We pray before the service. We have intercessors praying at 9.30 every morning. We believe in prayer. They also pray on Wednesday nights. We believe in prayer. Of course, we pray every day for you, And for the things going on here. But we need you to be praying as well. Because God answers the prayers of a righteous man, of a righteous woman. So would you just bow your heads briefly. Lord, we just thank you today. I know there are some in this room that are going to feel like they've failed you again. But I pray that's not the attitude they'd have. Instead, that they would see this as a new challenge put in front of them. Lord, that you are calling them to be a people of faith, that you're calling them to use their faith eye to see what you're saying today. Give us ears to hear and eyes to see the things of God. Lord, help us to understand your truths and apply them so that we can be victorious as brothers and sisters in Christ. And Lord, I pray a blessing over this church today. God, help each one of us to receive from You, even if this man doesn't say it, Lord, I pray that You would minister some kind of truth into the lives, into the minds, into the hearts of these people. We love You, and we commit this short time into Your hands. In Jesus' name, and everybody said, Amen. Amen. Now you can sit down. If you'd like to. If you don't, you're going to look funny. This devotion began with a snippet from Oswald Chambers, My Utmost for His Highest. Who's ever read that, The Morning and Evening? Man, it, it's just almost too powerful sometimes because I read it. If I read it for a long time, it's like, where does this guy get this stuff? It's so deep. It is. It's awesome. Anyway, Oswald had shared from uh, Psalm 46a, which I'll get there in a minute, and he pointed out that God is steadfast and He's unchanging. How many know that? He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. He, his demeanor, His character doesn't change. He's always the same. And what Oswald said was, those who follow Christ need to be like God. Unchanging. By unchanging, He wasn't referring to us becoming better. How many know that God wants us to change? When you're born again, an amazing thing happens. First, it's a miracle of salvation, and you become born again. A new life is given you. But then you go on into a progressive relationship with God where daily you walk out your faith, and you become better. You look more like Jesus every day. How many can say amen? If you're not looking more like Jesus, but rather you're looking more like the devil every day, then you might want to pause... And figure out what's going on. But that's not what we're talking about here today. We're talking about our faith unchanging. We're talking about how God wants us to hold on strong and not let go of Him. In regard to this, it was said, regardless of the mess that you might be in, you can always rely on the Lord to help you out. How many have been there. <laughs> been there, done that, and bought the t-shirt. That doesn't mean it's going to be easy, though, does it? There are some preachers out there today who say, "Ah, oh, come to Christ, and your life will just be such a blessing. Well, it will be, but there are also things you're going to face that are difficult. Just because you wear the title of Christian doesn't mean life is just going to be a, a bowl of cherries. You will face assault from the enemy. You will find yourself dealing with situations that are going to be hard, if not difficult, and they're intended to make your faith grow. It's a challenge to see, all right, will he or she give up? Or will they hold fast? Because they believe God's Word is true. You might even find yourself facing a little bit of fear Even anxiety can set in sometimes. I mean, how many have ever lost their job? And you didn't have a plan in place yet. Is it scary? I've been there. When we took the plunge with ministry back in 1988, we'd left GM, or I left GM. Great job, great benefits. Moved to Springfield, Missouri, where I thought, Everybody pays $20 an hour. We get there and the average wage then was 550 an hour. <coughs> I freaked out. God, what did I get myself into? Norman, it'll be all right. Did I call you to do this? Yeah. Then trust me. And I scrambled for a job. I I got one job that wasn't from the Lord, but I think I forced myself in there. Twelve-hour shifts on the weekend, working for Litton, making circuit boards for microwaves. I lasted two weeks because that shift was killing me along with school. And then I finally ended up getting hired at the Assemblies of God headquarters which was a blessing, but it only paid five fifty an hour. But God was faithful. Did we ever have a need that went unmet? No. And I could spend an hour just talking about that. I won't. What I want you to realize, though, is that challenges will be put in front of us to test your faith. Sometimes you're going to feel like giving up, and this is where, this is so important, this is where, and this is the verse... Psalm 46.10, be still and know that I'm God. Will you say that with me? Be still and know that I'm God. It just kind of rolls off the tongue. Get this in your heart today. No matter what you're facing, I don't care who you are in this room, young or old, be still and know that I'm God. Sometimes that's all we need to do, and God will do the rest. Amen? Goodman went on to say, if we allow the situations in our lives to dictate our relationship with the Lord, then we're doomed from the get-go. If your circumstances that you're facing, maybe it's a business decision, maybe it's something going on in your marriage, whatever it might be, if you allow those circumstances to determine how close to God you are, and how much you believe, you're doomed from the beginning. God's not looking for wishy-washy faith. What gets His attention is a tenacious pit bull kind of faith. How many have seen a pit bull? And how many know that He's designed, that dog is designed, he or she, that when they clamp down, what? They don't let go. That's what we need to do with God. Everybody growl at your neighbor. Some of you are better growlers than others. As I see it, hanging on to our faith is much easier when we begin to understand the true nature of God. You see, many of us try to bring God down to our level when we're facing these things. But how many realize that God's not controlled by nature? He's the one that controls nature. And it's easy to fall into this where you think God ought to be like you think He ought to be. But you know God thinks more highly than any of us. His ways are so much different from our ways. Amen? And that's why He gave us this passage, this verse, Be still and know that I am God. This should help us to see God in a little bit of a different light that there's nothing that controls him. He controls it all. Let me just look at this scripture quickly. This is actually just an aside, but Ephesians 1:19, Paul said, "I also pray that you will understand the incredible greatness of God's power for us who believe. So who's the great power for? For those who believe. This is the same mighty power that raised Christ from the dead and seated him in the place of honor at God's right hand in the heavenly realms. Now, he is far above, what? Far above any ruler or authority or power or leader or anything else, not only in this world, but also in the world to come. God has put all things under the authority of Christ and has made Him head over all things for the benefit of the church. Poke your neighbor and say, you're the church. So God did this for the benefit of you and me. Amen? And the church is His body. It is made full and complete by Christ who fills all things everywhere with Himself. That's good news. And when we face these obstacles, when we're challenged in our faith, we need to realize Jesus Christ lives in me. And the power of God has been given for me. Why? To overcome the enemy, the obstacles that are put in front of us. So God controls it all and His best advice to us is be still and know that I am God. And then I put this up here. Just, just, Would you say this with me? Let us, let God be God. You know, that's all He wants us to do. But what do we do? We meddle. Oh God, no, that's not the answer I wanted. No, you need to do it this way. And, and you try to run your, your life the way you think it ought to be run when God's just saying, would you just let me be God? I've got this. <laughs> but too often, we forget this. Listen, when you're running low on funds and have done all you can do, be still and know that I'm... Can you say that with a little more enthusiasm? When it seems the devil is winning. When you have no more gas in your spiritual tank. When you need a miracle. Be still and know that I'm God. Goodman rightly said that having tenacious faith is beyond mere persistence. And then she defined tenacious as stubborn, relentless, unshakable. I want to look closer at these three. Let's break this down a little bit. The first one, of course, is be stubborn. Some of you are really good at this. <laughs> and with that, let me just say, there, there is always a positive side and a negative side to everything we're looking at, right? So there can be a good stubborn and a bad stubborn. Some of you are married to one of these. (laughs) Even though change would help you and your marriage, they refuse to be different. It's got to break God's heart. Don't be that person. Don't be that person. Who I want you to be in the positive example we're going to use is the faith of a Gentile woman in Matthew 15. And If you have your Bibles, you can turn there. I'm also going to put it up behind me and I'm reading from the New Living Testament. Then Jesus left Galilee and he went north to the region of Tyre and Sidon. A Gentile or a Canaanite woman who lived there came to him pleading, Have mercy on me, O Lord, son of David, for my daughter is possessed by a demon that torments her severely. Now, I hope you realize that we may not see these demons manifest all that much today in America, but around the world, they see it all the time. My feeling is we've masked it with drugs, M-A-S-K-E-D. We have masked the demons that are in us trying to cover them up with some kind of a pharmaceutical that will help us cope with whatever it is we're facing. Otherwise, we would see these demons manifest even more than we do today here in America. But Jesus was able to cast out those demons just as we are today. And this is the reply, and this always blows me away because Jesus loves people. He loves us. But listen to what He said to her. He gave her no reply, not even a word. Let me ask you something. if Chris, if you came up to me and you said, Pastor Norm, do you think that I'm doing a pretty good job back there in the nursery as the director? And I just looked at you and just didn't say a word. What do you think you'd feel? <laughs> pretty bad, Right? You might even be thinking, well, then, I just put my resignation in. And you're doing an amazing job, by the way, because I don't want that to happen. He didn't say a word. Nothing. Might get in trouble with this sometimes at home. (laughs) My wife will talk to me in the morning, and she'll, that's the key right there. She'll talk to me in the morning. You know, she's been up for two hours when I finally get up. She gets up at four. Five is sleeping in. She's had at least a cup of coffee. Maybe she's worked out. Her engines are revving. Mine's going, (laughs) you know, it's a one cylinder. And then she hits me with this stuff. So I'm sitting there and honestly, it takes me five minutes just to figure out what she just said to me. But she interprets that as, he's ignoring me. And we had this conversation. That's why I can share it. And I told her, I said, you got to let me grasp hold of it because it takes me longer, especially early in the morning. And I think we worked that detail out in our marriage. But anyway, just be thankful you're not married to me. What would you have to say that for? Oh, yeah, whatever. He didn't say a word. Then his disciples jump on the bandwagon. Tell her to go away! (laughs) She's bothering us with all her begging. Can you imagine if you came into church and you just needed a miracle, and the elders in the church are saying, why don't you go away? We don't have time for you. Most would. Then Jesus said to the woman, he finally spoke, I was sent only to help God's lost sheep, the people of Israel. Remember what she was? She was a Gentile. She was a Canaanite woman. They were like a whole other caste. They didn't associate with each other. And yet she was begging the Master for a miracle. She came. After Jesus said that, she came and did what wow how many of us would do that how many of us do that today when you come to the lord and you get in your prayer closet and you're asking god for a miracle and you don't hear anything how many begin to worship him Instead of, God, where are you, God? Don't you love me anymore? Instead, just begin to worship him. Why? Because it gets his attention, as we're going to see. She pleaded one more time, Lord, help me. Oh, I can't imagine what Jesus was feeling. But he had a purpose. Jesus responded again. It isn't right to take food from the children and throw it to the dogs. It's pretty harsh stuff. Again, if I said this to any of you guys, you'd be heading out the door, probably giving me a couple gestures on the way. She replied, That's true, Lord, but even dogs are allowed to eat the scraps that fall beneath their master's table. Ding, 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 ding. She just rang Jesus' bell. This woman's got faith. This woman's got tenacious faith. Verse 28, dear woman. She went from being a Gentile woman to a dear woman. You only say that to people affectionately. Dear woman, Jesus said, your faith is great. What did he commend her for? Her faith. Your request, Jesus said, is granted. And her daughter was instantly healed. If only we'd have this kind of tenacious faith. Are you still with me? This woman could have given up. You and I, we probably would have given up when Jesus ignored us or when Jesus referred to the dogs versus us. We would have given up when the disciples said, go away, stop begging, but she didn't give up. This stubborn mama wasn't going to give in to protocol or social status or politics And that stubborn faith is what got the attention of the master. He's attracted to that. So if you need a miracle, you need stubborn faith. Get your stubborn faith on. That's what I'm saying. What does it mean to be relentless? Hmm. I'd like to look at Luke 18, and that's kind of the the catalyst for the first slide that I'd put up. Luke 18, verse 1. One day Jesus told his disciples a story to show that they should, what? Always pray and never give up. There was a judge in a certain city, he said, who neither feared God nor cared about people. A widow of that city came to him repeatedly saying, Give me justice in this dispute with my enemy. The judge ignored her for a while, but finally he said to himself, I don't fear God or care about people, but this woman is driving me crazy. I'm going to see that she gets justice because she's wearing me out with her constant requests. What in the world? Before you run off with some crazy idea about how you need to start badgering God for whatever it is that you need, let's break this down quickly. How many think that what Jesus was trying to show us here was what we should do or what we shouldn't do? It's not a trick question. It's what we should do. I believe that. But it's also important to understand that we serve a loving, caring God. And he is showing here that this uncaring, unloving God uh, judge is the one that actually was challenged to finally give in and to meet this lady's request. So we need to get this in our heart first. God's not talking about he is like this earthly judge. In fact, We need to jump to the next verse, verse 6, in order to see what he was really saying. Then the Lord said, Learn a lesson from the unjust judge. Even he rendered a just decision in the end. Listen to this part. So don't you think God will surely give justice to His chosen people who cry out to Him day and night? Now you can skim right by this, but How often do they cry out? All the time. It should just be a part of who we are. And He's not going to turn you away because you keep calling out on His name. He wants that kind of relationship with us. Oh, I don't want to bother God. That's not who you serve. You serve a God who wants to hear from you on a regular basis. verse 8. I tell you, I skipped that last part, sorry. Will he keep putting them off? And then verse 8. I tell you, he will grant justice to them quickly. But when the Son of Man returns, how many will he find on the earth who have faith? So I believe we need to put emphasis on this verse. God said he would certainly grant justice quicker than the unjust judge. So if you're one of those that are crying out, maybe you've been offended by somebody. Maybe you've been hurt by some authority figure. Jesus is saying, are you going to stick in there? Are you going to hang on with that tenacious, persistent kind of faith? Unshakable faith? Or are you going to give up? And when he returns, will he find any who are still hanging on to their faith? like the widow remain persistent in your faith how many can say amen to that and then finally badgering God won't move his mighty hand but being persistent will especially when it appears that the enemy has the upper hand the more you're facing the more God's going to move on your behalf we saw that throughout the Old Testament and the New Finally, we need to be unshakable. Those attending the John Bevere Undercover series with us, John actually talked about this woman that we're going to look at here in the next few minutes. And what he had to say about Hannah, this woman couldn't have children. And he was, he was trying to get us to see that the priest thought Hannah was drunk. And we're going to see that in just a minute. So he challenged her. He said, woman, how dare you come into God's temple like this drunk? You need to put that stuff away. And that's when Hannah told him, no, sir, <laughs> I'm not drunk. My heart's broken because I've been unable to have children. Let's look there real quick. First Samuel 1, verse 9. Oops, I think I missed one. How about this one? There we go. Once after a sacrificial meal at Shiloh, Hannah got up and went to pray. Eli the priest was sitting at his customary place beside the entrance of the tabernacle. Hannah was deep in anguish, crying bitterly as she prayed to the Lord. Now some of you might be able to relate to this lady. Some of you have been where I'm talking about right here, where she was at bitterly crying out to the Lord. And she made this vow, O Lord of heaven's armies, if you will look upon my sorrow and answer my prayer and give me a son, I will give him back to you. He will be yours for his entire lifetime and as a sign that he has been dedicated to the Lord, his hair will never be cut. As she was praying to the Lord, Eli watched her. Seeing her lips moving but hearing no sound, he thought, she must be drinking. And then he challenged her. Must you come here drunk, he demanded. Throw away your wine. And then Hannah replies, Oh no, sir, she replied. I haven't been drinking wine or anything stronger, but I am discouraged and I was pouring out my heart to the Lord. Don't think that I'm a wicked woman, for I have been praying out of great anguish and sorrow. It's important to understand that God hears our prayers when they come from our heart. Hannah was pouring herself out at that altar. There was nothing left of her. You know, again, I believe the altar is a special place. It's it's a place where that union happens between spirit and man. And when you bring the man, God adds the spirit. We have a spirit in us, but you've got to move the man vehicle to get the spirit to where it needs to be. And I'm telling you, I've had more breakthroughs getting on my knees, getting on my face before God than anywhere else. So avail yourself of the altar just as she was doing. There's an anointing at the altar. The other thing I wanted you to see here is later when God actually told her son Samuel, who's now one of the greatest prophets in the kingdom, he's told him, now Samuel, I want you to go find the next king, the one that's going to replace Saul. Remember, Saul was a bad boy bad boy, bad boy, what you going to do? What you going to do when they come for you? And they were coming for him because he disobeyed God. So God said, all right, I'll replace you. Samuel on the task. Samuel walks in, and he sees Jesse's son, Eliab. Ah, look at that strapping young man there. That's it. He's got to be the one. Listen to what God said to him. I love this part. I've got to find it though. 1 Samuel 16, 7. The Lord doesn't see things the way you see them. Can you say that with me? The Lord doesn't see things the way we see them. And he went on. People judge by outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. So when you're crying out to God, let it be from the heart. He doesn't want some pre-manufactured gurgitation of somebody else's prayer. He wants to hear from you what's on your heart today. After the priest realized that he was mistaken about Hannah, that she was truly praying from her heart, he said this, In that case, go in peace, Eli said. May the God of Israel grant you the request that you've asked of him. Oh, thank you, sir, she exclaimed. Then she went back and began to eat again, and she was no longer sad. So obviously she was fasting during this time. Obviously the priest saw that she was being real with God. He didn't apologize for saying what he'd said, but he just said, may the Lord grant your request. The Lord will do the same for you regardless of what it is. If it lines up with his word, stand on it until it comes to pass. Hannah had tenacious faith, stubborn, relentless, and unshakable, just as these widows did. Isn't it funny how all three were women? Hmm. Just saying. Goodman closed her devotion with this. Hold on to your faith with such a tenacity that you are unshakable when it comes to following the Lord. Be relentless in seeking His guidance and be stubbornly persistent in asking for His mercy to fill your life. You and I must be tenacious about our faith. Don't give up and don't let go of it. You all, I'm sure, know this, but I wanted to share this from the message. Le- Hebrews 11:6. 6. You say this with me? It's impossible to please God apart from faith. And why? Because anyone who wants to approach God must believe both that He exists and that He cares enough to respond to those who seek Him. Do you believe that? If you do... You're on the right path. Now you just need to apply this unshakable, persistent, stubborn attitude. The good parts. You need to apply these to your life and let God do what only He can do. Thank you, Jesus. I talked briefly in my message. I'm not going to share it all because we're coming down to the end, but Matthew 14, this is where Jesus had sent the disciples ahead of him, remember? Go out in the boat, I'll meet you on the other side, and they're all like, okay, yeah, how's he going to get there? And halfway across the lake, what happens? Storm kicks up. Now, as I understand it, these waves can get up to nine feet. I've been in waves like that on Lake Michigan, but I was in a 35-foot boat. with a a cover. These guys were in an open boat. (laughs) I don't know how long it was, but I can promise you, nine foot waves would scare the daylights out of you. And that's exactly what happened as they're looking out, seeing all these waves crashing. They're all thinking, we're going to die! They see this ghost coming at them. Or what appears to be a ghost. And who is it? Jesus. Jesus. And he's just trying to show them, I control this. Nature doesn't control me. I control nature. He'd already showed them that once. They didn't get it. A ghost! Who else would it be? Come on. And as Peter had a, an inkling, it's Jesus. What did he do? Jumps out of the boat. You can go there and look this up on your own later. He jumps out of the boat. Let me tell you something. Sometimes it's easy to get out of the boat. It's harder to keep your eyes on the Master. You see, once Peter got out of the boat, Jesus As soon as he got his eyes off of Jesus, as soon as he started paying attention to the waves and the winds, he lost his... That feels pretty good. (laughs) He lost his faith. Listen, if you look at most of the examples Jesus gives... They're natural things that come against them. Remember, remember the story of the feeding of the 5,000? He had a little boy's happy meal. He told the disciples, you feed them. People are hungry, you feed them. How many were there? Some say up to 20,000 if you include kids and parents, grandparents. Grandparents. Twenty thousand kids. You imagine what a kind of a hit that would be for our church today? If God asked us to feed twenty thousand people, it's no wonder the disciples were like, "Huh?" And Jesus said, "What? Find out what we have. What's in the crowd? Gotta have something. Happy meal, fish sandwich." Jesus said, bring it to me. What did he do? He prayed over it. He starts handing it out. and You know what? Every time he tore a piece of fish off and handed it out, another piece grew on that fish. Every time he pulled a piece off that bread, another piece grew out. The Bible says when they finished, they had 12 baskets full of fish and bread. How in the world? It wasn't the world. It was. Heaven showed up. You see, Jesus didn't let the natural circumstance dictate. Peter, when he got out of the boat and saw the waves and the winds, and this is actually a verse I wanted to share, I think, if I can find it. Yeah, here it is. There's that. God controls nature. Matthew 14, 30. But when he saw the strong wind and the waves, he was terrified and began to sink. You see, he took his eyes off of Jesus. And as soon as Jesus reached down, he was able to pick him back up. And then Jesus kind of rebuked him. Oh, you Are you never going to learn? That's an indictment toward us today as well. Would you stand with me? So, what did Jesus, what did Peter do wrong? He took his eyes off the master, the one who controls the storm, and he started paying attention to the wind and the waves, the natural surroundings, the actual storm or the circumstance that was in front of them. To have a tenacious faith. We need to be stubborn, relentless, unshakable. We need to remember that. That what? God is God, so be still and know that I'm God. And then finally, we need to use our faith eye, not our natural eye. How many in this room? Are in an experience right now where you feel like your faith is being tested, all eyes open. <sighs> Most of us. The rest of you need to be praying for us. How many would say, on a, a scale of 1 to 10, with 10 being probably the hardest thing you've ever gone through, how many are in the upper part, 8, 9, 10? Look around. Your, your family, right here, is going through some serious stuff. Some serious junk. And they need our prayers. Now, they need to do their part be unshakable, be relentless, be stubborn, have that tenacious faith. They need to do that part. They need to realize that God is God, so be still and let Him be God. They need to use their faith eye, not their natural eye. But they also need us to pray for them. So I'm going to ask, if you would, and then we're going to close, if that's you, you are one of those. We're in those top eight, nine, ten. Please, would you come up in the front and just stand? Not going to embarrass anybody today. just feel like saying that God's speaking through me. He hears your heart. He hears your heart. Some of you, and I think it was Cheryl Salem that said God likes to play us like an instrument. Some of you, and I believe this, that God's saying I'm playing you as an instrument. You're a little out of tune, but just keep on letting me play you. And you're going to be back in tune sooner than you think is possible. If you don't give up, I am going to meet you right where you're at. And you are going to get an answer to that prayer that you've been praying. But don't give up. Let me be God. Let me be your God. Because I love you. And I've already worked this out. I believe that would come from the Lord today. Receive it as you are so inclined. Hallelujah. Would you say this short prayer with me? father I'm broken and I need you like these widows like Hannah I'm in a tough spot right now you know what it is I've been bringing it to you I don't want to badger you but I want to be persistent and I'm praying from my heart So I ask, Lord, help me bring healing into my life, into my marriage, my finances, whatever that fill-in-the-blank is. And, Lord, I yield to you today. Help me to be still and let you be God. I love you. And I thank you for this answer. In Jesus' mighty name I pray. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Would you give him the praise now? And the next time it seems like heaven is brass and your prayers are just hitting it and bouncing back, what are you going to do? Worship Him. Worship Him. Praise You, Jesus. I may not understand why You haven't answered yet, but I'm going to give You the glory and the praise and the honor because I know You love me, and I know that You have a perfect plan for me, a plan to bring me good things, not to harm me, to prosper me. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Father God, we thank You for every person's life that is being changed by the blood of jesus through the holy spirit and your power lord today we just dedicate this these folks at the altar and those in their seats we dedicate this church family to you help all of us lord to exercise a tenacious faith and not to give up on those things that you've called us to do you put some big ideas in our heads and in our hearts Help us to be faithful to see them through. We love you, Lord. Now keep us safe as we come and go. Bless our time of fellowship and the cookies and the snackies after. We pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless all of you. Give somebody a big hug today. Have a great week in Jesus. We pray you enjoyed this message from Pastor Norm Oberlin. If you would like to partner with Mount Hope Church, you can make your tax-deductible donation online at GaylorChurch.com. From there, just click on Give Online Now. Thanks for listening. We can't wait to be with you again next week.